Over the years, I have taken comfort in the fact that I am confident Jesus was the same personality type that I am, which, which means after any event with a big crowd, all he wants to do is go home. And so it, it's often in the midst of these moments where, where Jesus swings from uh, a big ministry moment like the feeding of the 5,000 to this moment, intimate moment with the disciples, we see the need we all have for, for getting rest and often how that comes interrupted by mission. Immediately after that, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But then he noticed the strong wind, and he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying, You of little faith, why did you doubt? I could give all kinds of reasons why he doubted, but (laughs) that's why I never preach on this passage. When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The word of the Lord. That's a good story. I enjoy listening to people's stories. And a common theme in your stories and in any other conversation I have over with folks over faith is what we call serendipity. Happy coincidences that seem to align for something else. But was those, were those events just a, a coincidence? I often see somebody their face equipped with the expression that wants me to answer, yes, of course God was at work in this. And when in my head I say, of course, they were just coincidences, random events. There are at least two ways that we can look at our lives and tell our stories. We can use the common sense of secular culture, or we can, as the great 20th century theologians said, we can dare to view our lives through the lens of this strange new world the Bible pretends for us, portends for us. It suggests there's a different way of reading than the one you may have been taught. We don't study the Bible to look, at least I don't, you can continue to, but I won't. We don't study the Bible to continue to dig into the past to find the real events that happened. Instead, we study the Bible to have a new reality opened up for us through which we can view our own lives. I hope that is what you hear me trying to do each week. It's not easy. 
The ways of God are not obvious as we would like. I confess that I don't believe that everything happens for a reason. If I were to go back and point to any particular events in my life on you know, I wouldn't especially say that God had made that event happen. Especially bad things. I don't believe that the Bible says that either. But the Bible does suggest this strange new world that's open for us in Scripture. It does suggest that there may be a hand encouraging our lives in ways that we cannot ask or imagine. Some of you are better readers of the Bible than I am. And I have heard your stories, moving stories of coincidences that you connect with God's unseen hand. Random happenings that led you perhaps to this church or to that faithful first date. I love hearing first date stories. It's one of the questions I often ask. Were they just a coincidence? Cynic that I am, of course they were. <laughs> it was just a coincidence, after all, that a caravan of merchants passed by at just the moment that Joseph's brothers were working out their plan to do away with Joseph. <laughs> you read exceptionally well. Sometimes when I encourage us not to open up the Bible when a reading happens, but actually listen to the reader. And sometimes in the reading, you hear something that you haven't heard before. And as many times as I've read this passage, I hadn't heard that Joseph was 17. A whole sermon series be, could be done on the difficulties of 17-year-olds. <laughs> Joseph was the favorite son of Jacob, youngest of the twelve. And dad had given him a fancy coat with long sleeves. Now, you, we learn actually more about ancient languages over time. As, as, and it's probably the better translation than coat of many colors, although that's wonderfully etched into our culture. Probably the better translation is Joseph, his dad gave Joseph a long coat with sleeves. The point being, this was not a, a garment to be worn by somebody who works in the field. That was for the other 11 sons. This son got the good stuff. The point is that Jesus, that Joseph, actually that's an important connection, that Joseph was a favorite in the family. And probably as a 17-year-old, he took every advantage of that he could. Jacob, the favorite son, was also passed on everything, every bad thing his brothers did to good old dad, which is why dad sent Joseph out to spy on his brothers in today's text. They saw him coming. And, you know, this, sometimes in life there's a last straw. This was the last straw for the 11. They're going to put an end to Joseph. After some debate, they decide they're going to toss him in this pit instead of killing him directly. But just at that moment... A caravan of traders passed by on their way to Egypt. Ah, let's get some money out of this too. A coincidence. Of course it was. The text doesn't suggest that God made that event happen at all. 
to this point, the Bible has not been embarrassed about God talk or naming it. In the beginning, God said, and it was so. The command to Adam and Eve was clear, unambiguous. Don't eat. They did. To Abraham Abraham and Sarah, the call was clear. God said, go. They went. This Joseph text, which is probably independent, uh, circulated independently as a little novella. It seems to fit well as its own short story. It's different. We don't hear God talking directly in this text. If we do, when we do, it's a whispered hope. Easily mistaken as a dream or a vision in Joseph, that dreamer's life. It's one sustained piece of writing filled with coincidence where the word of God is rarely spoken directly. There are other coincidences in the Bible that the narrators don't point at as being the work of God. I heard the the late Fred Craddock preach on this topic once. He gave the example of Rufus and Alexander. Rufus and Alexander were probably communities uh, in the community to which the Gospels were first written. They, they, They were known by name, Rufus and Alexander. Well, their father, Simon of Cyrene, just happened to be in Jerusalem on a certain Passover. He was crossing along the side of the road. At just the moment, a Galilean on the way to be executed fell beneath the weight of a cross he was carrying. Soldier at that moment happened to look to the side and saw Simon pull him out of the crowd to have him carry that cross to Golgotha. Rufus and Alexander's father, Simon of Serene. Random? Of course it was. Stranger things have happened without calling them the work of God. They happen all the time. When I was in seminary, a couple times a year, I'd make the drive from Austin, Texas, to my home in uh, outside Kansas City, Missouri. I I liked it called it the drive from purgatory to misery. (laughs) That could be my favorite line in a sermon lately. I like that. It was a long day's drive. Up the middle of Oklahoma, well, I had to get out of Texas first, and then up through the middle of Oklahoma, and you hang a ride at Oklahoma City, and over to the left corner of Missouri, and then up. I didn't even need a GPS. If you get out a map, though, it's going to look to you like the shortest way is to cut through the corner of Arkansas. Don't do it. I can confirm with you there's no shortcut through Arkansas. So at the six-hour mark or so, I pulled into a McDonald's. Now, Oklahomans are proud of this McDonald's. You'll see sign for it coming up for miles. It's the largest McDonald's in the world, they brag. The two arches hang over the interstate, and so it's a big McDonald's. You can even, they even have a gift shop in the largest McDonald's in the world. And I needed to go to McDonald's for the... And as I unbuckled and opened my door to the car, I pulled the car into this big, huge lot. It's almost like a Vegas casino lot, you know, the kind of lot I'm talking about. Not that I've ever been to a Vegas casino. (laughs) 
As I was parking, another park, another car pulled in at the exact same moment. I always, this always frustrates me when this happened. He decided to pick the same spot right next to my car. And the man getting out of the car took me... And there was something familiar about him. And then there was something familiar about the car. And then he began to look at me in a strange way, and I began to look at him, and we both realized it was my brother. We had pulled into the same McDonald's at precisely the same moment and to the exact same spot in a gigantic parking lot in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. He was returning home from a business trip. I was driving home. We had no idea that we were on the road together. Was that a coincidence? Of course it was. But on his next trip... My brother stopped there again and bought us two souvenir glasses in the gift shop and gave me one for Christmas. (laughs) Neither of us had played the lottery since because we figured we spent all of our luck in that moment. It was only an unlikely occurrence. Until a very difficult time in my life, a number of years, a couple of years later, It was a moment filled with personal failure and regret, and I was packing up my apartment to move out. And I pulled out on the back of a forgotten shelf, I pulled out an old, now dusty souvenir glass from the biggest McDonald's in the world. And in that moment, I was taken back to that moment of discovery of meeting my brother in the middle of nowhere and what a joy that was. And suddenly, that glass became for me a sacrament of the hidden, unseen hand of God working in our lives in unexpected ways. A coincidence? Sure. But if you're patient with me for just a moment, I want to try it on differently. Looking back into my life and perhaps your life in other ways with that open book of the Bible's unseen hand before you, and I might dare try to put this sentence to it. It was a coincidence that God intended or worked for the good. Joseph says something similar. After the long sequence of events, and the just narrative, Joseph narrative play out. And it's at the end, the penultimate meeting with reunion of him with his 11 brothers. Joseph says this, even though you intended me harm, God intended it for the good in order to preserve a numerous people. Whoever wrote the final version of Joseph was a wiser about life than I am. Some scholars think that this text belongs to a generation of believers for whom the God talk of their ancestors was a little embarrassing. So we have a long text, an interesting, a good story, an excellent narration where the author answers with a story that is modest about God talk, but pregnant with unlikely hope. 
Joseph speaks more than he knew in this text. For the twelve of them and their wives will multiply into the people we call Israel, and from their lineage will come Joseph and Mary, the one and the birth of the one we call Jesus, whose cross Rufus and Alexander's father carried on his walk to, the, to Golgotha. And from that old heavy cross and Christ's broken life will flow into our world forgiveness and love and set in motion another cascade of random occurrences that extend into this very moment, calling us all together in the doldrums of August at 11 a.m., on this Sunday morning. Just a coincidence, of course. If you spend a little time at it, I'm sure that you can point to some random circumstances in your life you might set before another window that might be seen as well as the grace of God, God's unseen hand encouraging us in ways we cannot ask or imagine. So I suppose today's message is about the suggestion, encouragement to look at your life differently. Yes, our lives do evolve out of random events. But these occurrences might also be the work of God. I don't know how to reconcile those two. Now, Presbyterians and Methodists have been fighting over this for a couple centuries. I'm here to say yes to free will and yes to the hand of God. (laughs) Both are true. Serendipities. Happy random occurrences but they may also be the work of God encouraging our lives in remarkably unexpected ways. I bet you have a story. How you came together, how you ventured here in a particular place at a particular time. Whatever random chain of events that led you to that moment of grace, I'll just say it. It's the work of God. And to God alone will be the glory, now and forever. Amen.